This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Love is the universal goal. Because love is what we are, it is what we have always looked for. We have discovered that we don't always understand what love is. And if one doesn't understand what it is, then how can one achieve it? Valeria interviews Colin Hansen. Core is Colin's passion. You might wonder what that means. To him, it is happiness, fulfillment, joy, connection, kindness, confidence, peace. This is who he believes we truly are at our core. We are simply learning to uncover it. Achieving core has been Colin's life goal, not only for him, but now for his clients too. He has been helping others find core since 2017 as a licensed mental health counselor. He mostly works with men struggling with sex addiction and their partners who face severe trauma as a result. The process of healing from such circumstances is grueling. But it is possible with lots of consistent effort and the right guidance. Colin is certified as a sexual recovery therapist and a partner betrayal trauma therapist through the American Association of Sexual Addiction Therapy. His greatest hope is for your healing. Meet Colin at kirutz.com and colinahansen.com. Here's the interview with Colin Hansen. In your own words, who is Colin Hansen? Yeah, well, um, I'm a man of a lot of different experiences. Um, you know, I became a counselor about uh, almost six years ago and have been working in uh, the field of sex addiction. Um, but uh, I'm also a husband of you know, 16 years. I have six kids, you know, two dogs. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm just a normal guy, run of the mill guy. So. What inspired you to become a mental health counselor, Colin? Yeah, that's a long story. I'll try and keep it short. But, um, you know, I started out as a music major on the clarinet, believe it or not, um, and uh, ended up uh, uh, leaving that field because I was afraid that I wouldn't make income to raise my family. Um, and then I went into uh, uh, the services industry you know, uh, uh, and, uh, hated that job. And now it wasn't just one job, it was two jobs. So I was like about, you know, eight to 10 years of my life. Um, and I, uh, just didn't have confidence in myself. Um, ended up, uh, getting fired. And, and at that time I was able to make a, a transition into what I really wanted to do, which was uh, counseling. But with that said, I was also, so I'm a sex addiction therapist. Um, I had my own pornography addiction and, uh, 
never thought that I was going to get out of it. And so um, really affected my life negatively um, as well as my marriage. And, you know, I, you know, spirituality wise, I promised my higher power that uh, if I ever got through this, that I would give back. And this is, this is mm -hmm. kind of, you know, when you look at the 12 steps, the 12 step is yeah. always about giving back. And so True. this is my 12 step giving back. How beautiful. I have a lot of questions for you. <laughs> okay, I'll be yeah. asking you a lot more questions uh, about what you do and the, the work you do as a sexual recovery therapist. How do you define mental health these days? Yeah, um, that's a good question. You know, um, you know, when I think about mental health, I think at the core of the issue is what I call the universal goal. You know, everybody wants to experience happiness. Um, there's other, you know, descriptions that I would add, like uh, they want to experience love, connection, peace, kindness. Um, so, and those are, you know, emotional states. Um, and so there's always this kind of battle between, you know, feeling good, feeling uh, uh, happiness and not. And so, um, you know, mental health is this, uh, is this idea of, of going from a negative mindset to a positive mind mindset, in my opinion. How do you define happiness? What is happiness from your perspective today? Yeah, another really good question. Um, you know, I think, I think happiness in, you know, in one word is too simple. You know, I think the concept is much, 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 much more complex. Um, and, you notice how I, when I, when I said happiness, um, earlier, I, I added a lot of other, you know, emotions. Um, and so, you know, I actually call it core it, you know, when I speak with my clients, you know, again, happiness, love, connection, peace, kindness, you know, and, and, and if I were to, uh, use one word that, that defined all of that, another word, it would be emotion. Um, and emotion is comprised of three components. Um, and, and that's body. Um, we have our, you know, our physical body and our brain, that's all one thing, but it's, it's full of senses and it, um, and those senses send, you know, uh, information to our brain, you know, and so it reacts, it'll, it'll tense up, it will relax, it will, um, you know, run, it will, it'll freeze, you know, our body has all of these, uh, reactions. And so that's one component of emotion. I also think there's you know, uh, the brain that has interpretation of our body and also of a circumstance. Um, and then finally we have the circumstance that you cannot have, you know, an emotion, you cannot have, you know, a thought process or a physical reaction unless there's some type of circumstance. So when you combine all of those things, you know, um, we will have an experience, a, a, a final experience. And when you have that final experience, if you align it right, we'll, we'll experience things like, happiness, love, connection, mm. peace. But you have to have all three components aligned right in order to experience that. So is the alignment of all these aspects of being a human being, have you achieved that? Um, you know, what I would say is no, I'm, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm just like uh, anybody else out there. Um, but what I would say is um, I understand it a lot better and I continually improve. Um, you know, yeah. how, how I improve, um, let me, I'll talk a little about my therapy style, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Now. Yes. I, I, I work with addiction. And so addiction is, um, you know, another 
way of describing addiction loosely is a, a, a bad habit that creates, you know, negative results in your life. Um, and that creates, you know, a physical change in your brain. And so when we try and heal from addiction, we're trying to, uh, again, physically change the brain to a more positive state. Um, and so there are five things, uh, that I learned a while back, um, that create a growth mindset, you know, meaning a growth mindset means that, that we change are changing our brain over time, um, to, with a positive result. And so these five things that I teach and one, uh, one is a spirituality, get spiritual. And so I tell a lot of the guys, whether they believe in a God or not, or a higher power, I say, you know, get spiritual. And so I, so, so I'd let people not to pray or to meditate, to figure out their spirituality. Number two would be to read, you know, uh, I say recovery literature. And what that means is just educate yourself, put knowledge into your brain. And, um, number three would be write. you know, and, and when I say write, I, I literally mean get out a, you know, a, a dollar tree book. That's a, you know, dollar store book, you know, just a cheap book and just write and, and evaluate yourself. Um, and then the more people can get into, into contact with other people in recovery or in a growth mindset and speak their mind, um, you know, the more they're able to share and also receive information. And so I do these things for myself, uh, to create recovery. And, um, you know, I can see the huge changes in my life, um, over the years. And so I, I no, I, I'm not a finished product. <laughs> but, right. but I have seen results, yes, from that, from that, those skills. So it is the commitment, right, to these practices yeah. that will lead you to get to that point of happiness. And I absolutely agree. It really does takes commitment. I love the uh, the get spiritual suggestion that practice because that has been one of my practices forever now. Of course, along with education and everything else that you spoke of, writing and being in contact with people like yourself, mm-hmm. doing what I do. And I remember that thinking, because I was going from one relationship to another, although I was not a sex addict, but I remember like hearing about love addicts, like mm-hmm. people who are addicted to love in a sense of, I didn't know what love was. I thought it was never loved before by my parents. So I was um, desperately looking for that, to just feel loved. Yeah. And that was such a trap. So and it felt like an addiction, really, to me. So I'll, I guess that's the right moment to talk a little bit more about sex addiction and love addiction. Are they sure. actually similar? Very similar. Um, you know, you know, I, I talked about the universal goal as we started, which is seeking happiness. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of people that get into these types of addictions, they're seeking something positive in their life because because their lives are so negative. And in, 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 uh, for example, and so um, they're seeking something and, and oftentimes it, it, you know, they just come across something like pornography, you know, or, or you know, these days it's the cell phone, you know, um, and uh, in that process, it feels really good, you know, to, to like in a love addiction, what we're talking about is, you know, having the high of being in a new relationship. But, you know, we're, we're going through the honeymoon phase of a relationship. It feels so good. And, you know, sex in itself, whether you're watching pornography or, you know, sleeping around or, you know, whatever that is, um, it's a it's a huge high. But um, there's another concept that I call the great delusion. And 
in essence, uh, what the great delusion is, is this, uh, you know, the state that we all have these beliefs that we have that, that, you know, either a certain belief or a certain action or a certain circumstance will bring us happiness, um, when it never will, you know? So, so yeah, sex addiction and, and, uh, love addiction, they feel really good in the moment, but what tends to happen, you know, um, I think it's Charlie Brown. If you, if you watch Charlie Brown, there's Linus and Linus walks around in, in one of these cartoons and he's got, uh, this cloud that hangs over his head. It just follows him and it rains on him everywhere he goes. And that's kind of like addiction where it feels really good in the morning, in, in, in the moment. And then afterwards, it's like the cloud just rains on us. Um, and so it's not true happiness because we still have the cloud, you know, raining and raining on us and striking us with lightning mm. after the fact. Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like with me. That's incredible how we are actually able to see the truth or see through the great illusion, as you say, which so, so accurately. Um, so how do we learn? Like my case was spirituality just getting deeper into it. But how do we, in general, I've seen how difficult it is for addicts to find peace, to find their way out of it. My husband's friend, he was addicted to alcohol and then he gave up alcohol because he's part of the AA. So he's mm-hmm. been there for years now. And But he's still addicted to cigarettes. He smokes every day and then he has several different kinds of addictions. Yeah. So it's just like a replacement, really. From your perspective, what is the fastest, the easiest way, although I don't think there's an easy way to it, to find this freedom, to find ourselves again? Well, I can only speak from my experience, you know, from my own life and then as well as um, what I've observed when I'm dealing with my clients. And so, um, like like you said, I don't think there's a, a really fast or easy way, um, you know, addiction, I relate addiction, um, to, you know, jelly beans, you know, and, uh, so I, when I was in college as a music major, I toured in California, um, with, uh, the band and, um, we, we visited the jelly belly factory, super cool factory. And, um, I remember it being cool, but I don't remember a, a whole lot except for at the very end, when you leave, they've got all of these jelly bellies for sale. You know, and, and I remember in particular that they had a bag of assorted uh, jelly bellies, you know, and then, you know, next to them, they had the jalapeno jelly bellies and they they don't mix them, you know. And so uh, I always wondered why. And then I figured it out, like jalapeno jelly bellies have a jalapeno oil on them. And if you if you just take one of them and drop it into the assorted uh, jelly belly bag, then you start getting all of the flavors mixed with jalapeno, like, you know, like watermelon jalapeno, (laughs) you know, popcorn jalapeno, you (laughs) know, like everything has this, 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 uh, hint of, of jalapeno. And that's, I think the way addiction works. Like, um, you know, I, I'm a sex addict and I, you know, I didn't in my addiction, like I, I didn't spend 12 hours a day in my sex addiction, like looking at pornography or or that kind of, you know, uh, time. Some people do don't get me wrong. But for me, like, um, it was short periods of time, you know, over years of my life, I couldn't stop it. But that, that addiction affected every aspect of my life from my wife to my children, to my finances, you know, to my work, to friendships, to my emotions, to, you know, like it, it just tainted everything. And so 
when we're talking about getting through addiction, it's not fast. It's not simple because we've got jalapeno or addiction tainting almost every aspect of our life. Um, and so how I work, um, is I know that, you know, our brains are what they call plastic. They're changeable and, and our brains change according to what we believe and our behaviors, you know, and, and especially as we bring new behaviors into our life. So when somebody comes in to my office, I already know, you know, pretty quickly that, that when they have an addiction, their brain's already a certain way, you know, and, and my job is to get them to change beliefs, change behaviors, change relationships, sometimes change jobs. And so right from the get go, um, you know, I give them those five dailies that I talk to you about, uh, getting spiritual reading, writing, getting to, you know, no fewer than three 12 step meetings a week and making a daily phone calls to support people. And, and mo a lot of the time the illness, when I tell people to do those things, they go, Oh crap. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like an imagine. They, yeah. They don't want to do any of it. And so, yeah. um, yeah. you know, I have this, another analogy, which is like, um, you know, an addict, addict is like a guy in a, in a, in a little boat, like a rowboat in the harbor, trying to get out of the harbor and past the surf by himself. And, and he's got one paddle. And what happens is he's not all that strong. I mean, he can only go so, so long, but with one pa paddle, he's paddling on one side of the boat and he starts going around in circles, you know, so he's really not getting anywhere. And so what I let these guys know is, um, you can't do this alone. And so, you know, I have them invite people into their boat. Like I, I ask them, will you invite me into your boat? And if, if they will, like what that means is they don't have to make the phone calls alone. They don't have to go to the meetings alone. They don't have to read alone. And so when they come into my office and they don't, they haven't done their work, I'll say things like, have you made your phone calls? Or, or I'll say in the last seven days, have you made your phone calls? And they'll say no, or they'll say I've made one, you know, when I, when it's daily. And so I'll say, okay, grab your phone. Let's make phone calls. You know, and so uh, we we start calling right there in session. So they're not alone. And, and when we can work together and whether it's making phone calls or reading or whatever the activity, now we start heading in the right direction, you know, to get out of the harbor. And and lots of times we need multiple people. You know, we need a whole support group and um, to help these guys get it past the surf. And um, so there's no easy method, um, but that's kind of the method that I use is doing the work, using the 12 steps. Um, yeah. Yeah. It really makes a lot of sense to me. We cannot do it alone. And I wonder if there is an end to it. Can we completely eliminate those cravings, the addictive behaviors? I'm a really hopeful guy, you know, and so I believe in it. Does that mean, um, that, uh, we don't have to watch ourselves? You know, um, I, you know, I'm 42. I started when I was 12. You know, I started getting really good sobriety when I was 32. Um, and I still go to my meetings and make my phone calls and read and write and pray and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I would say that, uh, there is hope in sight and people do heal. Uh, but I think, um, I never want to leave this growth mindset because it's not, it's not, it's not about the addiction anymore. I'm past the addiction. Now it's more about like building relationships and right. loving people and, and the happiness and the core that I'm talking about. And it's sad. I mean, I have to say, use the word sad, that we have lost ourselves 
Right, um, Colin, in a sense of not knowing the core of who we are, which is already peace, already love, as you say. I know I have to mention now that you write in a book and that it's a book that you wanted to be utilized as um, the 12 steps for AA, they do. So it really sounds wonderful to me, the idea. And you talk a lot about love there. Love is our natural state. Uh, we are love. We need not seek it. So... It's sad to me that we have been kind of almost programmed not to know the truth, not to be in touch with the core of who we are. So now it takes this unlearning process that might take a lifetime to just undo all this. How fascinating that is. So talk to me about the book and this uh, beautiful, to me, truth. It's not a concept. It's the truth that love is our natural state. Yeah, um... You know, I'm, I, I believe in God. So, um, you, you know, there's people out there who don't. Um, and so they have, they may have to find their own logic in this, but you know, I believe, uh, God is love. I believe, uh, God is all powerful. Um, and that God knows all things. And, um, I also believe that God is my creator. And if God is my creator, then in essence, I'm his son. You know, and, and just like if you, if you look at nature, if you look at any tree, you know, it produces seed, you know, that creates the same kind of tree. And, and so um, with, with my philosophy, just uh, if God is love and, and I'm his child, then therefore I am love. And and, you know, I'm I, I'm born into this world where, um, you know, the world's imperfect and the people are imperfect, you know, and and one of the first principles that I teach is that we are, you know, because we are love. You know, we are fueled by love and our, you know, purpose is to create love, you know, and, and so therefore we seek it when, when we're not experiencing it. And, and so like we'll seek it in, you know, with pornography or with sex or with alcohol or with, you know, relationships or, you know, all of these external things. And, and so when I say we need not seek it, it's because it's already in us, you know, um, you know, I'll have people do like a meditation. I call it the three minute meditation and I'll have them, uh, remove, you know, all vocabulary running through their mind, all thought. And I'll have them just see with their eyes and I'll just have them hear with their ears, but no judging, no labeling anything in their mind. Just see it and hear it, experiencing it in its most authentic primary form that we can. And when we do that, what's really interesting is, um, we just calm. Our body relaxes, our mind relaxes, and we just experience thing, things in what I call like the most, you know, the closest way to God that we can. Um, because when we're, when we're calm, well, in my opinion, that's what God wants us to feel. And to me, that is core or that is happiness. It's a, it's a, it's a um, facet of happiness and love and connection and peace. You know, it's exactly what we're looking for. And, and so, um, but, and, and we don't have to do anything just except for just exist to experience that. And so that's like a proof to me that we, we really are love. Um, and, um, how, you know, in this life, I'm, I'll go back and kind of explain the great delusion and how that works. And, and a great book that, that explains this is Don uh, Miguel Ruiz's The Four Agreements. It's a really good book. And, um, it basically talks about how when we're born, you know, immediately we start, you know, uh, uh, learning, you know, 
and everybody around us is seeking happiness, you know, and, and we just kind of, you know, learn from them and, and trust that how they do it is how we truly achieve it. And we don't even question it. But the problem is we like going back to love addiction. You're talking about that, Valeria, like, you know, we can get into all these relationships. And when we're in the relationship, we think this next one's going to make me happy. And it gives us pleasure for a time. And then all of a sudden we leave the, the honeymoon phase and it's no longer any fun, you know, um, or so we're thinking the relationship will bring us happiness or, you know, we, we think that money will bring us happiness or, you know, if I can control this person, you know, I grew up in a family where my mom wanted things clean and she thought that if the house was just clean, then she'd be happy. Well, the house was never clean. And so she was always angry. You know, so I picked that up, you know, you know, I, I wanted my house clean and I would get angry when my house wasn't clean. So I continue to believe the same thing my mom did, that if this house is clean, then I'll be happy. But, but the problem is, is that all I have is now. And when the house isn't clean, I'm not happy if I continue believing that. So I had to change my thoughts. Um, and I'll, and I'll, I'll do another plug here for Byron Katie. I love Byron Katie, uh, the work. It helps me challenge my beliefs. And what I learned was that my happiness is dependent upon what's running in my mind and how I'm interpreting my circumstance and my, my, my body, my physiological response. And I can now believe that, um, see, I have six kids, like I talked about. So my house is, you know, it's hard to keep it clean. And so I actually think of my house more often as you know it's actually a beautiful thing that my house is messy it's a representation that i have six beautiful children i have a wonderful wife and it's it's an opportunity for me to teach them you know how to clean you know um it's a great opportunity for me to learn calm amid the circumstance so when i think that way you know now that truly um when i truly believe those things truly produces calm and peace and core in my life despite the circumstance and it's a much truer way of creating happiness than you know this idea that if my house isn't clean i can't be happy if my house is clean then i'll be happy right that makes sense right it makes a lot of sense to me yeah especially when you you speak of peace or inner peace i call it yeah, that's the place that allows us to see all the other beautiful and great states of mind that's possible to experience by being calm, by being peaceful. I absolutely yeah. agree. And I know you refer to God as the source of that. And I use different words. I don't use God for some reason, perhaps because... It has been misinterpreted a lot sure. of times, and I have seen people around me, my family members, transferring responsibility. So they always either blame God for something that's happening, or mm. they will thank God for whatever's happened. They're never really spiritualizing life. That's how I, I see it. I want to spiritualize the mind, the thoughts, yeah. and my experiences. Inner peace, right? That makes so much sense, which also allows us to seek clear our belief systems, the things that we believe in and, and the things that whatever is being driven by those beliefs that's not serving us. Right. That's so clear too. And boy, it takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It takes sincere commitment to growth. As you say, I, I love that term, the growth mindset, which has to do with abundance. 
So in love, you see, I think addiction has to do with scarcity, doesn't it? We feel like we don't have, this is the that belief system that we don't have enough here. So that's why we're looking out there to sure. fulfill that. Does it make sense to you, the uh, addiction being a scarcity mindset? Oh, sure. You know, another one of my beliefs, uh, and I'll explain this a little bit. I, you know, I think um, happiness is is kind of like baking a cake. You know, yeah. so I use a lot of analogies. Yeah, I love silly. that. <laughs> you know, it's fun. Um, but like, um, you know, I think of making a Betty Crocker cake, and I'll just say an angel food cake. You know, and you know, everybody knows what an angel food cake is. You know, it's it's kind of white. You know, um, you know, and so like if if I don't follow the recipe to a degree. You know, if I add something that's not in the recipe, it's not the angel food cake that we all expected. So, you know, I could add chocolate chips to it and it's just not the angel food cake that we all know. You know, um, it, I, I'm not saying it's gross, but it's just not the same, you know, angel food cake. So um, happiness is the same way. Like it, if if I add too much sugar to my happiness, if if I don't add the flour you know, if I don't leave it in the oven long enough or, or I put it in at the wrong temperature, I won't achieve the angel food cake. Or in this in this instance, I won't achieve that happy state. I'll, I'll be achieving something else. And so, um, you know, I have to align all of my thoughts. I have to align my physiology um, in a way so that I can see my circumstance in a happy state. And when, and, and one of these, uh, beliefs that I have now, this is going to sound crazy to a lot of people. So I just, I warn you before I say it, um, I believe, <laughs> I, I believe that I have no needs and I have no wants. And the reason I believe that is because I'm still alive. Everything has been provided to me, you know, whether, you know, there was a time when I didn't make a lot of money, Right. My, you know, there was a time when I was, you know, um, actually I didn't work for basically nine months because I was in an internship as a therapist. I didn't make any money. And yet I had, I, don't, I think I had six children at that time. That's a big family, you know? And so somehow we got by, you know, and there's people who, you know, don't have food and yet somehow they get by, you know? And so from, from a spiritual perspective, and again, whether you believe in God or not, that's, you know, I, I don't push that idea. I just push, you know, find your own spiritual spirituality. But, you know, um, but for me, like, I believe that my higher power, you know, is all benevolent and he's and, and, and all powerful. And therefore, any experience in this life that I have has a benevolent purpose. And so whether I've experienced you know, sex addiction was really hard. I mean, it was, it was emotionally traumatic. You know, I'll say that too, you know, and, um, yet today when I look back on that, to me, it was the great, one of the greatest experiences I've ever had because it catapulted me, you know, into this growth mindset. I have a greater understanding of what happiness is. And what's amazing about that is that I get to share that with people every day. And so I will never ask, well, actually this is a 12 step promise. Like we don't, will never uh, try and shut the door on our past. And so I don't, you know, I love my past. I'm not saying that it wasn't painful, but um, I look, and so now even like even today, you know, like whether you're having relationship issues or your car's not working or you don't have a job, you know, these are all blessings to me because they teach me some type of lesson if I can 
if I can see the goodness in it. Um, and the pain, when, when I can see the goodness in it, it creates happiness. When I see the negativity in it, it creates suffering. That resonates true to me. Yeah, I remember listening a lot here on the podcast, this idea that I was, I'm grateful for my past, for all the hardships that I have had. And I was thinking to myself, oh no, I'm not grateful for all these things that I went through. <laughs> like I would not want to go through all that again to learn what I know today. But now I see what you're saying, the perspective is a bit different in the sense of life or oh, oh God being compassionate and showing us the truth through these experiences, pain and suffering. That's life's way of being compassionate or God's yeah. way of showing compassion. Yeah, I figure the more pain we're in, the more opportunity we we have to learn happiness in that circumstance. I wonder if we can actually find um, deeper truth as you have found without the suffering. I mean, I know that pain, it's inevitable. We all uh, will be go through some sort of pain, physical, yeah. you know, even, but perhaps not emotional, but physical. But can we learn those lessons without pain and suffering? Is that possible? Well, I can, again, I can only speak from my belief system. And, you know, I don't think so. That's my belief. And, you know, it's kind of like um, another analogy would be like a fish that lives in water. A fish will never know oxygen or air unless it's, you know, you take it out of water, you know, and so it can't, it can't experience that unless it sees the, the opposition or the, the, the difference from the water. That is very much true. And then, well, I asked the question because I have people around me who, my family members who have suffered a lot, but they have not seen, have not really committed themselves to healing or seeing the truth or, or being peaceful, looking to get on that path, that journey of healing. So that's why I wonder why some of us suffer and then we uh, we ended up kind of here where we are now having this conversation and knowing the deeper truth behind it all. And some people don't. I wonder why. Why <laughs> Why is that? And that kind of makes me sad, I have to say, frustrated at some level when I see them just repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Well, you know, for me, um, this, that's one reason why I, why I think, you know, whether it's you know, any type of trauma or, you know, addiction, in my case, addiction, you know, why I think it was such a great blessing because, you know, my wife threatened to leave, you know, and that was so painful. It, it overcame, uh, the pleasure of addiction. That pain was so, you know, and so such a blessing that I got out of that, uh, because whether my wife was leaving or not, I was living in a life of hell. Um, and so these other people, you know, you know, my experience with addiction was, um, you know, I started, you know, in, into my sex addiction stuff when I was about 12. And, um, you know, I look over my years of recovery. See, I think I tried to stop as soon as I knew what it was that I was doing. I didn't even know what I was getting into my, into when I got into it. But, um, uh, once I recognized it, I tried to stop. And so I, I, be, I started in the recovery process, but what I would say as I was, very inefficient and ineffective at getting clean. And so, you know, 
when I was about, uh, 18, 19, um, you know, I got clean for a, a long time. Um, and then, you know, when I was about 21, you know, that's when the internet came out, you know, the fast, uh, high speed internet. And I started getting into it. Um, and you know, I, eventually when I got married, I carried it into my marriage. Um, and I remember my wife catching us on or catching me on my first anniversary after having a baby seven days prior. Um, and, uh, from there, you know, like I went to see counselors, I went through six counselors, you know, I think, I think that's the right number. Um, I went to multiple addiction recovery programs, um, and I would drop and leave those, um, and I'd go back to them. And so I, I look at myself and I just think, oh my gosh, you know, it took me over 20 years, you know, and there's still effects of my addiction in my life, just so you know, but, um, I, uh, it took me that long to, to get effective in recovery and to get clean and to start growing and, and starting to achieve more core than ever in my life. And so when I look at other people, you know, I recognize that they're in their own path. And so I let people know, just keep living, just keep in the process. And, and, you know, the spirituality part is, you know, your higher power, whatever that is, you know, whatever you believe in, if you believe in nature or whatever, it'll present to you experiences in your life that, that give you the choice to change and to grow. And so people that come, there's people that come into my office that, um, really want change and man, they just knock it out of the park, right, right from the get go. And then there's other people take some years, you know, sometimes I've worked with people for three years and, um, and then there's people who come into my office and they leave and, and, you know, I am okay with all of that because I know that nature or spirituality will eventually lead them in the right way, you know, uh, and will teach them what they need to know to achieve uh, that happiness. I love that message is one of trust. That's what I hear. So you trust life, you trust God to show these people the way as it has showed you the way. And I love that, uh, Colin. It's something that I'm very much now into this. It's almost like a, a relationship with the universe, with life itself, the trusting everything that's happening exactly as it is happening, because right. there's something here. That if I'm listening, it will show me the way. So that's beautiful, though. I'm really in alignment with that. Trust, trust in life. Wow, I love your message. I love your work and this commitment to heal yourself and others. As you said from the very beginning, this is your way of giving back. So it's almost like um, a commitment, an agreement that you have made with life, with God. So what a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, it kind of made me stop and reflect more in humility even about that. I love that. An agreement with God. I think you should. It's a beautiful title of a book, actually. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> uh, I should use that one. <laughs> I know. I love that. Well, yeah. Hmm, that trust. Right. 
I love that. I love everything that you're doing. It's what we need. It's the most, it's life, the voice of God, the voice of life itself, the higher powers, you say, whatever we believe in, just speaking. So I really appreciate everything that you do exactly the way you do. It's, uh, it's truly beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. We're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Before that, would you like to add anything else that you left unsaid for today? You know, well, that last piece that we were talking about is, is trusting in life. You know, um, you know, again, in my life, it took me 20 plus years, you know, to get out of my addiction. And then, you know, my life wasn't just like peaches and cream, you know, it, was, it still isn't, you know, like it, there's ups and downs. And so, you know, for anybody struggling out there, um, you know, my message is just, just keep living. And as you keep living, you know, um, keep searching, you know, read books, um, listen to people, you know, who've had experience in your, you know, in your struggle and, uh, in time things work themselves out. So, so you can hope and, and know that, you know, better days are to come. They, they come, they just do. Mm, yeah. So stay in the process. I love that. Uh, trust the process, right? Don't give up. I used not to believe in free will, <laughs> that we had the free will to choose whatever we want, you know. But now I'm kind of revising that idea. It seems like we do have, we do have a choice, which is very interesting too. That is a really deep concept and really complex yeah. um, in, in my mind. And, you know, I have battled that same topic, like wondering, do we have free will? Um, you know, because like an addiction, for example, or, or, or this idea that, you know, we're born into this world and we learn from other people, you know, what we learn and our, our body works in a way that as we learn, you know, it solidifies processes or, or automates them in a subconscious format. So like a good, um, example of that, I don't know if you've ever done this, Valeria, but I have where I hop in my car you know, I'm just so used to driving in my car. I start like uh, daydreaming while I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, that's and what then I, mean. I uh, Yeah. <laughs> I don't drive, so that wouldn't okay. be my experience, but I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are other experiences, but I'll just finish this one just to stay with this idea. But sometimes I'll be daydreaming and I drive so much that I can daydream and drive at the same time. And then, you know, at, at, sometimes I'll arrive somewhere. It doesn't happen very often, but I've arrived someplace you know, that I was, that, that I was heading to. And, and I go, how did I get here? <laughs> yeah. You know, right. like, how, did the, right. how did this happen? <laughs> yes. You know? Um, and so that proves to us that we have these automations or, you know, habits you can, I don't know what you want to call them, but, but they run in the background and we don't even have to think about them. And so in essence, we create those, that subconscious, uh, those subconscious processes that we don't have to think about anymore. And they are habits. So, so we're talking about addiction. That's a habit. Well, so is getting angry or so is laughing at a particular joke and not laughing at another, you know, um, what you wear, like you, you know, some people go to great lengths to, and think about what they wear, but some people don't, they just put on their clothes. Like, do you know which shoe you put on first? You know, do you think about tying your shoes? You know, like, all of these things are really automatic. And so in essence, like in that scenario, when we are in that automatic behavior, we're not thinking. 
you know, um, and so I don't think in certain instances that we have a choice when we're not aware, but the, but the choice really comes in when, you know, I talked about the three minute meditation. There's all sorts of meditations or writing, slowing down our mind to discover our, these automatic thoughts, these automatic behaviors. And we really slow down. We can also determine what the purpose of them are. Like, you know, I talked about like getting angry when uh, my house is dirty, right? When I slow down, you know, and I really think about why I get angry, you know, I have learned that I get angry in order to be happy, which is a delusion because when I get angry, I cannot be happy in that moment, you know? I have this belief again that if my house is clean, then I'll be happy. I'm predicting the future. But what's interesting about that is when my house has been clean, I've been angry. Meaning that it's not the house that produces my anger or happiness. But I, so I've settled on that, that when I get angry, I'm trying to produce happiness, which does not work. It never has. It never will. And so instead of doing that process and sitting and, and believing that now over time and with learning and effort and focus, I can walk into my house and it can be completely dirty and I can be fine. And it's, and I, and that was the choice I made because I became aware of my thought processes and my behaviors. Yeah. I mean, you say that so clearly, it makes so much sense to me. So it's, uh, it's the work of deconstructing these, um, mental, ideas that we have accumulated throughout life, uh, which is, uh, yeah, it's not an easy process to do, to just let go of all those programmings. From what I hear, I've, I've talked to so many people, it always goes back to that. Uh, some people have said that in one day, one experience, spiritual experience, they have deconstructed, destroyed all of them at once. They call it spiritual awakening, enlightenment. So I guess it could happen too for some of us, but for most of us, it takes effort, right? Uh, it takes that trust that you speak of. And and you're right, when I remember being so programmed and addictive, I would say obsessed with the idea of finding love elsewhere, that I, I didn't have a choice. I was just doing the same thing over and over again, getting the same results and not even realizing. So it's almost like being crazy, but you don't know that you're crazy which is, uh, it makes sense to me so much now. So finding sanity, it is kind of uh, slowing down. How interesting that you say that. It's relaxing and it's finding peace. Yeah, that, it goes back to that again, because um, it really feels like very too fast that the programming, the thinking, overthinking, it's, it's just so fast. It just does right. everything so quickly, automatically. So the antidote to that, it is slowing down. It makes so much sense to me what you said. Uh, would you like to add anything to it, um, calling at this point? Or, um, you know, I I would just say that, um, you know, it, it, you know, I think there is the idea that there's quick fixes, right? And I and I do think for for certain problems there are quick fixes. And you talked about people having, you know. The, this enlightenment or awakening. And I do believe that that can happen. I, you know, who am I to, to tell them that they didn't have that experience? Right. Um, and so, but like you said, I, I really agree that for most of us, 
this happens over long periods of time, um, with work and, um, you know, getting into that growth mindset and, you know, listening to people who've gone before. Well, you know, I've got this huge list that I just wrote down of all these people that I've listened to. Um, and, uh, I don't care who you listen to, you know, necessarily, uh, because you'll find those people that you align with best. Um, but if you stay in that process of reading, um, and educating yourself and, uh, writing and learning how to write in a way that enlightens your mind or, or, or educates you about yourself, um, you will slowly but surely have, you know, aha moments. And it's the aha moment, in my opinion, that creates healing in our lives. So if we keep creating that over and over and over and over again, what we do is create a new habit that produces real results. Right. At this time, what do you feel is the world's greatest need? The world as a whole, collectively. Yeah, that goes right back to what we were talking at the very beginning, is, is to truly be able to experience core. When people truly experience core, in my opinion, it doesn't matter the, the circumstance. You know, um, people treat each other appropriately and we end, you know, all violence. We end all anger, hatred. Um, we accept people for who they are. And, and yet, uh, you know, if something is off, we still help with respect and dignity. Um, and so it's, it is truly learning how to, uh, love and to heal from, you know, our past, uh, you know, worldly education, I guess I would say. Right. Yeah. It goes back to everything that we have been talking about, right? Finding the true us, right? That's here. It was never hidden, really. Thank you so much again for your presence here today, for the work you do, for your beautiful intention and sincere desire to help others. It's, uh, it's precious to me. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, services and future projects? Yeah, you bet. You guys can find me at w or at keyroots.com. I spell that K-I-R-U-T-Z.com. Or you can also go to colinahanson.com. Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Colin. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Valeria. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Colin Hansen and his work, please visit kirutz.com and colinahansen.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>